You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Dr. James Smith, Jr., certified speaking professional, authenticity and personal power expert. He's an author, trainer, coach, and the CEO and president of Dr. James Smith, Jr. And I'm bringing him in today in particular because he is also the incoming president of the National Speakers Association Philadelphia. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, speaking in public. Dr. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sokola. What an honor and a privilege to spend some time with you. Well, I am excited because this is a little detour from our usual business, as it were. And so many people come to me because they want to be better public speakers, whether they're on stage, whether they're on camera, which is where most of us are nowadays, or anywhere else for that matter. They just feel like I'm an expert. I need to be able to tell my story. I need to be able to share my expertise and my knowledge, but I don't really feel like I have it. Like, you know, when you watch somebody and they're up there talking in front of a group of five or 500 or 5,000 and you just go, wow, they're good. They just captivate you. And it's like, how do I get that? I want to have that. So you have that. You know how to recognize that. That's why you're the National Speakers Association incoming president for the Philadelphia chapter. You're a fabulous advocate for the National Speakers Association overall. And for anybody who doesn't know, actually give a quick rundown. What is NSA? Oh, NSA is an organization that helps speakers run speaking businesses. Unlike Dale Carnegie, unlike Toastmasters, where the focus is primarily on how to speak better, NSA helps you speak better, but also run a speaking business. So for anybody out there, they give you tips and training and opportunity to hone your speaking skills too. But beyond that, it's really not just the talent. If you want to make a living at this, if you want to get paid for it, not just beyond the speaking freebie circuit, that's a whole different ball of wax, isn't it? It's not just a call. It's an industry. Speaking is an industry. It's not just making presentations. And if you are going to move away from your full-time job and move away from that vocation. You want to be a full-time speaker. NSA is there to help you reach the mark and exceed those levels as well. Yes. And by the way, you have known me way too long. You got no formalities here on this show. So we there are no pretenses. So you got to call me Laura. Otherwise, we cannot continue this conversation. I will. I will, Laura. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. I brought Dr. James on today because... I want everybody to get some tips from the pros about how to be a more confident, a more impactful, a more charismatic, a more authentic public speaker. But let's start first by defining that concept. What is public speaking? Because it is not just about when you have a crowd and a spotlight and a microphone. How do you define it? I agree. Oftentimes when I'm doing my programs, I ask people, how many presentations do you make a day? 
And typically people, two, three, four, five, they're thinking about an audience. They're thinking about a Zoom camera. They're thinking about making this grandiose exchange of information. To me, public speaking is anytime you speak in public, anytime you're having a conversation, anytime you're talking to someone, whether it's FaceTime, on the phone, on the Zoom, one-on-one, during dinner, during lunch, anytime you are speaking and you're looking to persuade, motivate, inspire, convince, share, inform, to me, that's public speaking. Yes. I've always said that public speaking is anytime you're talking to anybody besides yourself. Now, there are times, of course, when that talking to yourself may be the best conversation you have all day. We all have those days, for better and for worse. But anytime you're speaking to anybody else, you're public speaking. It doesn't matter. On the phone, on video, anywhere else. So from there, when you think about your brand, because I really feel, and I've been doing more and more training and coaching around this concept, that your brand is not just something like a product like Nike or Coca-Cola or Disney or Apple. But, and my friend, Alan Kersner, who's a professor over at Temple University in the marketing department, he defines your brand as the promise of an experience and the experience of a promise delivered. Mm, that's good. And I love that notion. And think about when you're speaking as that certified speaking professional, as that person who we would call in because we want to have a training presentation, a keynote speech. So what is the experience that you promise as part of your brand? Absolutely. First of all, I promise that it is going to be experience. My listeners, whether in person or virtually, they are going to be as tired as I am after the experience is over because I'm going to make it experiential. I use this acronym, it's called the FISH, F-I-S-H. I stands for I, the listener, I, the learner, I, the audience member. I need to be able to F, feel what you're saying, S, see what you're saying, and H, hear what you're saying. I'm a very physical speaker. I am nonstop perpetual movement. So to get you to feel what I'm saying, It's eye communication, vocal variety, it's movement, it's expression. See what I'm saying. And let me pause there for a second. I'm sure you, at least a thousand times in conversations, people have one time said, you see what I'm saying? Or you see what I mean? So I want you to see anecdote, illustrations, stories. I think the people who do this the best are stand-up comedians. I ask the audience. How many times have you seen a stand-up comedian use PowerPoint? You don't. But for two hours, at least two hours, you are laughing so much you don't want to go to the bathroom because you see every story, every illustration, every character. You see what he or she is saying. Or here is not volume. Again, I'm being sexist here. I think every woman at some point has said to someone, oh, you don't hear me. (laughs) You don't hear me. You're not talking volume. You're talking a deeper level of understanding. I wrap my brand around getting people to feel, see, and hear what I'm saying. I don't tell stories. I be the story. I tell people when you're prepping for a story, R squared. Retell and relive. People tend to just retell, regurgitate, share the narrative. But you got to relive it. Take me back physically, emotionally, mentally to that moment. But you wrap all that up and that's my brand. When people bring me in, when people hire me, people are talking, they know it's going to be an experience, not just a presentation. 
So that's my brand. Yeah. And that's so important to think about in terms of the experience of your audience. What are you delivering to them? And that's something where I've always used it. And in my book, I think it's chapter six somewhere, my four word secret to confident public speaking. And it's the whole notion to get out of your own way and start in a whole different direction in your preparation and your delivery is it's not about you. It's about the audience. What do they need? Why are they here to listen? What do you need them to get out of this? And what experience do you need them to have while they're listening to be able to receive what you need them to hear and what they need to get? We got to get out of the, what if I make this mistake? What if I forget what I want to say? What I want them to know? I got to tell them I have to include all this. And no, if you were sitting in that chair, what would you want to experience? Be the speaker you wish you were listening to. We have, I think, Bill Gates to thank for that. Years, 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 years ago, Bill Gates said content was king. Oh, that's history. Today, content is free. You can Google it. You can research it. You can get it that way. Transformation is king. Engagement is king. Connectivity is king. Experience is king. Today's speakers and presenters, if you're focusing on those, you will begin to change the look behind your listeners' eyes if you're focusing on that. This is 2022. People's attention spans are like that. You have that time to pull them in. It's not about content exchange, not just about, because you do need content, but no longer can. You have give listeners a reason to want to stay, listen, write take notes, not go to the bathroom, give me a reason to stay right here. And that's making me a part of the presentation. Yes, I love that. I've always looked at the content and the delivery as being, of course, they're two sides of the coin. You can't have one without the other because if you have great content, but lousy delivery, it's like dipping a pearl in mud. There's great stuff in there. You just can't find it. And if on the flip side, you've got great delivery, but no content, it's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. It might be momentarily kind of cruelly funny to some people, but otherwise it's really has no value to it and it's going to annoy the pig. So really, why bother? I love what you just shared. I could see it. I said, I want to see what you're saying. Your two illustrations, I saw. <laughs> the lipstick. The lipstick going on that pig. I saw the pearl in the mud. So visual. So it reminds me of Sally Hogshead's book about fascinate. And she talks about words that help to fascinate, just engage the audience. So your examples, I believe, were fascinating because I could see them. And it's going to help with how I receive the message. And it's also going to help how I retain the message. Our brains process images differently from how we process words. And that picture of the pearl in the mud, that's a concept that entails so many different ideas. But we picture the image and we instantly remember what that represents. And that's what makes it useful. So the notion of stories and the illustrations of sorts, metaphors, analogies, all those pieces, you can't get too global and abstract. At some point, there's got to be real content in there, but nevertheless, to illustrate it rather than explain, show me, don't tell me, as the case may be. This is significant because I know you speak to a lot of C-suite who are rich in content. They're result-centric. They're giving the data. They're sharing the sales numbers. But what does that mean? The end result, what's the impact it's going to have? What have we learned? What can we do differently? We need to combine those messages as well as the results-centric information that we share. Yes. And we're going to pivot in just a second, but I'm going to 
take an opportunity now to detour for two seconds and front load the listener 24-hour influence challenge. I always ask my guests, more usually they're the executives of larger companies or nonprofit organizations, but I want to know your take on this too. So the 24-hour influence challenge is an opportunity for you to speak directly to our audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete in the next 24 hours to have more influence, because that's really what this is. Public speaking is about having influence, getting people to feel, think, and do something after you're done talking to them. So what would you like your 24-hour influence challenge to be? How are you going to challenge our listeners today? All right, I'm going to talk to the audience right now. Okay, audience, here's the deal. I have done a lot of research on authenticity. And with that said, what drove me there is that the people in my life, people in my workshop, people I talk to typically say, I'm one way at home and I'm one way at work. Like, why can't you be you all the time? I get to a deeper level. And that is how much of you do you bring to your job? A deeper level, how much of you do you bring to your presentations? So my challenge is the next presentation you make, share one aspect, component, give them some information on you and how you relate to whatever you're talking about. Share your why. Why do you believe in this? Why do you want to do this? Why is it beneficial for the audience? And how that why relates to who you are, how you are rolled into one. It plays a role in what you do. So don't leave you out of it. Don't just give the data. Next presentation, share at least one aspect of who you are and how that pertains to the information you're sharing and why it drives your why for making the presentation as well as helping the organization or the team. I love it. And that's something that so many people, especially those in more technical roles, are so afraid to do. It's almost like, well, that's touchy-feely or that's personal. And I don't want you to know my heart. I just want you to know my brain. That's a scary piece that's very revealing. It's almost vulnerable. At that point. Vulnerable is power. People think vulnerable is soft or weak. Vulnerable says, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to feel the fear and move in. Not touchy-feely. It's people-centric. We oftentimes hear people say soft skills. No, 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 no. That's one of my pet peeves. I hate that term. Yes. Because soft skills are hard. (laughs) The irony. Soft skills are hard. People skills are more challenging than technical skills. You're going to figure it out. You're going to research it. There are some people in your life right now, you'll say, I still can't figure them out. Whether it's a boss, it's a child, it's a spouse, it's a friend, I can't figure them out. That's soft, huh? Really? Good luck with that. Yes, exactly. I mean, you can dump data into an Excel spreadsheet and it'll pop out an answer for you. It won't do that with people. Excel does not calculate people skills terribly well. It's a great tool. Don't get me wrong. Love people who know how to use it because it's not my skill. But to the best of my knowledge, that's not one of the functions that you can import into a cell. But you work with all these C-suite folks and they want a differentiator. They want to be different from other CEOs or do sharing a piece of you, especially something people don't know. 
like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Now I get it. And we're building on the connection. We're coming closer rather than creating more distance as a speaker. You want to be polarizing. You want to be someone who brings people together. Yes. And I've always said, if you are looking to work your way up the career ladder in particular, that you're going to get to a certain point based on your technical skills. And then there's this linguistic glass ceiling where if you want to break through that glass ceiling, you have to make a lateral shift. And suddenly now it's about working not on your technical skills, not on your market research, not on your ability to code and cybersecurity expertise, et cetera, but it's how you lead your people, how you connect with people outside of your vertical, how you translate your knowledge, how you relate to others who don't have your expertise and don't want it, frankly. They just want you to give them the results of your expertise. How do you connect with all of these other universes of people? When you learn how to do that, that's when you pass that ceiling and that's when you're ready to really lead at the executive level and be successful there. This is a good segue. Everything that I teach, that I train in my book, Speaking to Influence, et cetera, is all about mastering the three C's in whatever context, right? And the three C's my listeners know are to command the room or nowadays the screen, to connect with the audience and to close the deal. And I'd love to take a couple of minutes with you, Dr. James, and break down each of those three and hear what they mean to you. What does it mean for you, first and foremost, to command the room or command the screen? What's something that you do? Can you give us a couple of tips out of the Dr. James playbook of how to command the room or how to command the screen? Sure. I consider the screen or the room a canvas, and I'm the artist. Artists tend to use the entire canvas. I've seen presenters and speakers just use the front of the room and in one spot. You're not utilizing your entire canvas. Using a canvas means utilizing everyone that's in the room. You have people who are on mute. You have people who turn the cameras off. And they are just viewers of your show. It's not your show. It's our engagement. It's our experience. So think of ways how you can utilize. It's probably easier in person because you can walk around. You can go behind. You can go from one side to the next. You can show a slide and stand in the back. When people are looking at the slide and they're hearing your voice. And if you're not sure what's next, guess what? They can't see you. You can read your notes while you're talking about the slide. But think about how much do I use my canvas? Where does my voice go? What's the viewership, the listenership? How am I increasing that? And you're not doing that by standing in one spot. And you're not doing that virtually by sitting down. Because you're in person, you're presenting, you're standing up, you're up. But when we present virtually, what do we do? We're on our butt which means our gestures, our movement, our energy is down. So if we get up, use the canvas, I believe we'll have better command of the presentation, of the experience. Yes. I've always said that your performance, and you can use that in any term, just when you show up, whatever you deliver, that's your performance, that you want your performance to win an Oscar. You don't want to look like one. You know those Academy Award statues? Those look like golden bowling pin looking guys it's so good laura hashtag stealing it (laughs) hashtag stealing that one that's good that's really good and so many do like just especially on camera it's like there's the black dot it's staring at me it has sucked all life personality 
blood flow from my brain. I must just deliver content. Oh no, have to figure out how to advance slide. Way too much energy. Come on, guys, you can do this. Just talk to me. Talk to me. Wake up. Wake me up. Help me help you. (laughs) I haven't had a laugh like that in a long time. You want to win the Oscar, not be the Oscar. Not look like it. Yep. That's a good one. That's called a phrase that pays. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like to call them tweetable and repeatable sound bites. Mm. Tweetable and repeatable. So you got to get something that's going to stick and people can remember it. And that goes back to the imagery that you mentioned earlier, Dr. James, as far as the what's a visual that makes a concept that's memorable. It's okay. Yeah, everybody knows you should use some body language. We want to make sure that we're not being too stiff. And, nope. Win the Oscar. Don't look like it. Love it. I love it. Short and sweet. And here's another one too. Really quick. Yeah. Old school is eye contact. Mm. New school is eye communication. Interesting. Okay. Tell me about that. Eye contact is a staring contest. I'm going to stare at you for three to five seconds and hold it. People years ago, when I first started speaking and training, all I heard was maintain good eye contact, maintain good eye contact. And you're not good at looking at someone in the eye, look at their forehead. Same thing. They can't, I say, use eye communication. So as you're looking, add expression, feeling. I call it using the STOP method, S-T-P, which stands for single thought one person. So in a room of, say, 30, 40, 50 people, I want everyone in the room to feel as though we had a one-on-one which means during the course of the presentation, I stopped with you, gave you three to five seconds, I communication, and I finished that thought with you. Hopefully it could be the key opinion leader, key decision maker, where I make that plea or share that promise or make that big ask and I stop with you. And I find someone else and I have a stop with you and a stop with you. I want people to feel like, man, he was talking to me. And when I stop with you, I'm not staring at you. I'm eye communicating with you. I'm nodding. I'm smiling. I'm looking serious if the topic or the thought is a serious one. And again, I believe that adds to the command of the room because you're stopping with everyone rather than just doing this 7-Eleven security camera <laughs> around this look. Yes, yes. You're not just some little radar kind of going back and forth and love it. Love it. And the stop method. So S-T-O-P, single thought, one person. I'm totally stealing that. So we're even. So far, the two sides of the accounting book are are all good. The assets and the liabilities and the debits and credits and all those things that I don't really know how to play with either. But I'm going to go with the metaphor here and you're going to know what I'm talking about. Let's go from here. So we've learned how to command the room. Okay. And I think that's with the eye contact piece where we're sliding into number two as well, the second C, which is to be able to connect with the audience. Tell me about part of the Dr. James Smith experience as a speaker, when you're in front of a group, camera, stage, boardroom, table of four, whatever it happens to be, how do you connect with your audience? Perhaps the easiest way to do that is using the pronoun you. So many presenters and speakers, I did this when I was five and I was 20. I challenged this. I got fired. I, I, I. Imagine you're 15 years old. You get up in the morning. You're late for school. You didn't do your homework. You're expecting your teacher to get in your... Now that story is your story. It's not mine. And at the end of that example, I would say, 
That was me. That was my experience. But by using the word you, it built a greater connection with your audience members. It's very simple. Even in direct mail marketing content, which I did when I first graduated from school, English major, I wrote direct mail copy for members of AARP. They told us to use the word you more often as you wrote about health insurance because I worked financial and our client was ARP. So I learned not to use the color red. People can't see us, but we're wearing red today. Oh, they can see us. We're going to give them the video link for this too. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, not we look use... like twins here. We've got our matching red shirts. Great minds think alike. <laughs> not to use the color red, but to use the pronoun you and people will feel as though you're talking right to them. That's powerful. Can I piggyback on that? Because what made it powerful as a caveat, there's one extra little cherry on top that I don't even know if you heard yourself say it, but it's what makes that word you powerful. And it's prefacing it in particular with the word imagine. Imagine is one of the most powerful marketing terms out there. And I don't mean marketing exclusively in the sense of if you are a marketing professional and you get paid to do marketing work for you. I mean, when you're promoting an idea, when you're pitching a concept to whoever it is, you're marketing. So stop worrying about those labels, marketing, not marketing. But the word imagine immediately puts people in a storytelling mindset. They're ready to picture something. And then when you say, imagine you wake up in the morning and your back doesn't hurt for the first time. Imagine you're standing in front of the room and everybody is focused completely on you and not on their cell phones. Imagine that you give your child instructions and for the first time they don't say no. All this kind of stuff. And that's when you're going, oh, I want, so yes, it's the story, but it's the imagine that suddenly just clicks people into mental compliance mode. So that's where the you really sticks and so I'm so glad that you you're used good that. at you're that, good at what you do. But you did too. You pictured the perfect <laughs> and you used it. You may not have labeled it, but you started your story right away. Use the word you, and here's how. Imagine it was a perfect illustration. You told the story, and without having anybody explain it first, they did exactly what you wanted to do. I just got to reverse engineer the process. That's good. Now it's two one because I'm stealing that one too. Uh oh, all right. So I'm going to be keeping score here. You're going to owe me a tip that I'm going to be able to steal from you and apply with my next group. All right. So we've got the connecting with the audience with the you closing the deal. Now, to me, when I talk about closing the deal, it's not just about signing on the dotted line, it's not necessarily transactional. It's about moving the needle forward, getting to that mutual stage of understanding and moving forward together, whatever that incremental notch happens to be in the process. That's closing the deal. How do you close the deal with your audience? Here's what I do. Many of us love Kentucky Fried Chicken. Okay. <laughs> Presenter's secret recipe should be KFD. Stands for, what do I want my audience members to know? How do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? Do is the call to action. What do I want them to know, feel, and do that they did not know, feel, and do prior? So as I'm landing the plane, I'm really focusing on what I want them to do with that I've shared up to that point. How quickly I want them to do it. Where do I want them to do it? Who do I want them to do it with? But focusing on the KFD and, Laura, throughout the course of your presentation, if you ever get stuck, you forget where you are in the process of the presentation, just go back to the KFD. 
what do I want them to know, feel, or do? Then I'll get back in the lane, back behind the wheel, and you can continue with your presentation. But I talk about what I want them to do. And sidebar, I focus on my triple A's, not car insurance. It is adapt, adopt, apply. So you consider the information that I'm presenting. How do I want them to adapt it to what they're doing? Apply it to what they're doing. Adapt, adopt, and apply. How do I want them to adopt it? If I'm focusing on my triple A's and my KFD, I am closing on a powerful note. Yes, I love that. And your KFD is the no-field do, in particular in the virtual world, when I've been running all these trainings on virtual influence, how to take your in-person excellence and translate it to the screen, which has been a challenge for everybody these last couple of years. I always say that it's about, you want to have three levels of impact on your audience. It's the emotional impact, the cognitive impact, and the behavioral impact. And that's exactly what you're describing because the emotional impact is the feel, the cognitive impact is the no, and the behavioral impact is the do. What are you going to do from there? So, you know, that's typical. My PhD is in linguistics. So of course I have to use words that have eight times more syllables than yours, but you said it a whole lot better than I did. No, feel, do. Just what do you want? Then think about your outcome. Start with the end in mind before you even plan what your presentation is going to be. What's the end result? What do you want people to know, feel, and do that is different at the end from before you started and then take them on that path, take them on that journey to close that deal. Thank you so much for outlining that. That was really awesome. Pithy, concise, succinct, all those pick your synonym of choice. But this has been fun. Any final tips you want to offer, Dr. James? One more. If you are a facilitator, trainer, you're working a room, keep this in mind. You want to create during the course of your presentation, your training, You want to create four levels of socialization. Level one, your learner is working individually by him or her or their self. So create a moment where they're working individually. Level two, have a partner with someone else. Work in pairs. Level three, small group, tables. You can do this via Zoom or WebEx or virtual as well. And level four, large group, the entire room. I find that Presenters, trainers, speakers tend to ignore some of those rules from time to time as either large group, that's the lecture, talking to everyone. They may put you in the small groups, but how often do they say, time out? I want you to, right now, to shut it down, power down, just you. Think about what you're going to do differently. Think about what you're going to adapt, adopt, apply. Think about the mistakes, the poor choices you've made relative to leadership. And I say that, Laura, because... People hide behind mistakes. When they say I made a mistake, it's almost as if it happened by itself. When they say I made a poor choice, that's ownership. I did it wrong. How often do you hear people say I made a poor choice? Nope, it's I made a mistake and I won't do it again. In the elevator of life, you get to the ownership floor, the poor choice floor, the accountability floor first. It may turn into a mistake but it was a choice. It's a mistake if you had no idea. For instance, if you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says, don't proceed, the car will go over a cliff. Do it, that's a poor choice. If you're driving down the road and there's no sign and you go over the cliff, that's a mistake. You had no idea. Own that. Own your choices. Be more responsible and accountable. And as you said earlier, the most important people in the room 
or the people you're talking to, not you. I ask people, what's the most important part of a presentation? You giving it or them receiving it? Them receiving it. So we have to be better at creating measures and using approaches to help them receive our message a lot more clearly. Love it. Well, this has been a phenomenally content rich, chock full. I hope everybody out there has been taking notes right and left. You should have run out of ink from at least two pens by now if you're going old school on paper. So Dr. James, you have a gift for our audience that you told me, an incredibly generous gift. Tell everybody what it is and how to get it. I have two gifts. One is a copy of my book, The No Excuse Guide to Success, No Matter What Your Boss or Life Throws at You. In order to receive that, Reach us on our website, www.drjamesmithjr.com, or you can email me at info at drjamesmithjr.com. That's the first gift. The second gift, those of you who like to tell stories, I do. And I made a huge poor choice in telling a story because it was a very moving, compelling, sad story. Told that story to close my presentation. I'm used to standing ovations, people clapping, yeah, yeah, yeah. The room was definitely silent, quiet. They were crying. It was about my dad dying and our relationship ending. And if you share a sad story, share it in the middle because you need service recovery time. You need content recovery, experiential recovery. I did that once, never do it again. I'm like, oh my God. Even my client even said, Yo, dude, <laughs> we were all, we were having a good time. What happened? <laughs> Debbie Downer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. We've all certainly had those moments. Okay, so note to self, that's the final tip. Don't end on a downer. But then go and reach out at info at drjamesmithjr.com to get your copy. And he's not talking about a digital copy. He's going to send you a hard copy. I mean, my goodness, talk about generosity there. So, Old school. Old school. Oh, old. Yeah. I'm a boomer. I'm a boomer. Oh, this is, I, I love paper. I love paper, hard copy books. So if you are one of those people who wants to know more about all the phenomenal insights that Dr. James has, send him that email and get your free copy of his book. Not just a free chapter, the entire thing. Incredibly generous. And from there, how otherwise can people learn more about you? www.drjamesmithjr.com or, and go to my YouTube channel, Dr. James Smith Jr. Where you'll see videos and here approaches and tools for being a better speaker presenter but also being a better person learning how to live not exist a lot of information on there the youtube channel the website and of course dr james smith jr all social media links instagram linkedin twitter facebook i'm out there and laura this boomer don't laugh is going to start doing reels and TikTok. What? Nice. All right. I want to see it for sure. That'll be a lot of fun. So you have to let us know and we will be sure to share it around when that comes to light. Before we finish, I just want to say you are amazing, great host, super professional. You're great at what you do. Thank you for the opportunity to share this time with you. You're a true pro. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's, that really means extra coming from you. Again, president of National Speakers Association and just incredible speaker and frankly, human being. So anybody out there who doesn't know Dr. James needs to do some research online. And if you enjoyed this, 
stick around because Dr. James and I are going to start doing some LinkedIn lives. And so we'll take this and go way deeper and way wider on all sorts of different topics about public speaking, about authenticity, about your voice, about your presence, about connecting with your audience, about translating uh, your expertise so that normal human mortals can understand it, all that kind of good stuff. We're going to have a phenomenal series of LinkedIn lives. So you are not going to want to miss it. And give us your input. If there's something you want us to talk about, particular time that you'd like us to present some of these so that you can attend live. Of course, they'll be available afterwards in the archived recordings, but we want you to show up to talk with us live so you can ask us your questions and we can address them in real time. Do engage with us. We are there to serve you. And I'm super excited to start that journey with you. Same here. Ditto, ditto, ditto. All right. So Dr. James, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. And everybody else, thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, or platform of choice so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.